Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman, like usual. And we're going to do an interesting topic today. This is kind of my idea. Dan's just going to come along for the ride. I'm sure he'll have something to say because yeah. he always has something to say. <laughs> I just oh, have to no. prod him a little bit and his mind will get rolling. And My mouth gets going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Man, I was I was sitting up here. I'm I have this like kind of it's an apartment, but it's it's two floors. So I my uh, little office here where I have all my books and stuff, and where we do the podcast is on the second floor. And so I look out my window and I see Dan's brand new Toyota Tacoma oh. pull up. <laughs> well, what what twenty twenty? It's twenty one. Twenty one. So three years new old. enough though. But three for, years old. For yeah. Guys like us. Oh, that's a new car. Never had a truck like that. Yeah, my whole life. And you're sixty three, right? Yep. Been yep. waiting my whole life. Yep. What's yep. it like? Oh, dude. <laughs> I have never, I'm such a pragmatic guy. Like, seriously, you know, raised five kids. I was just thrilled to have a vehicle that ran. Right. I mean it. Yeah. All my literally. life. And I've been totally content. That was content. me and my parents. That was totally my content. upbringing. I've been totally content. Yep. I really have. And uh, both my parents passed away a year or so ago. And, um, you know, that's a chapter in life you have to go through. Um, but very blue collar, basic middle class people, you know, you know, yep. and- but they left behind some life insurance and a handful of things. And so we were able to get a few, you know, put some money and some retirement for my wife and I, but able to have a couple little gifts. Yeah. yeah. And I bought myself this pickup. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, <laughs> I was telling, telling Sam, like, I don't think I've ever had a vehicle like, I can't wait to go drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is such a cool truck. Toyota Tacoma, six foot bed, you know, the dual cab thing. Yeah. The, the whatever sport the, edition or whatever it is. Oh, off-road yeah. Well, it's a TRD off road. Yeah. 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 And I just love this thing. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit lifted, I'm, a little bit higher. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm almost, you know, I'm six, six four, and so like, I just step up and get in it, and it's so cool. And it's, <laughs> I'm not, you know, it's off the ground, and you look, you laughing at me. I just, and I'm like, I don't even want to put miles on it because I, you know, it's but probably, you love to drive it. Uh, so but I like... love to drive it. And it, honestly, it's probably, you know, in my mind, it was. I've never had. You know the ability to get something like this. I really haven't. Yeah, I think my my other truck that I've driven for the last number of years is an 07, and it's, you know, what is that? Twenty? How many years old? You know, fifteen, sixteen years old. Right. You know, and I think I spent eleven thousand on that, and that was the most I'd ever spent on anything in my life. Yeah. So yeah. this thing was like, ooh. Yeah. But, <laughs> I just can't. You guys can all tell by me talking. I'm like a little kid. I'm sixty something. I'm like a little kid. Yep. Like, this is the uh, like a teenage kid with his first car. Yep, yep. It's so much fun. Yeah. What they so what do they say? They say. Uh, I mean, it's not red. It's white. But I'm sure it's it's similar. The they've done studies. Whoever's they, the, some researchers have shown that men will get a testosterone spike when they see a red sports car. Really. And. A woman in a red dress. Oh, sure. Red yeah, yeah, dress, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have the stereotypical woman in a red sports car that's really a big testosterone <laughs> spike. <laughs> oh, <good grief. laughs> but I'm I'm thinking, man, that to- Toyota Tacoma, man, I'm sure it's it, it boosts the testosterone. Maybe you that's said why that I... right when you pulled up. I was at your house when you went and got it from the lot. Yeah. And uh and you're like, Hey, you want a testosterone spike? Or did go, I say go, that? Yeah, you said I to go know. sit in your my new truck. <laughs> I sat in it, man, I felt it. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. it really is cool. It is a cool truck, and you know, it's a great truck. And they tell me it'll last a long time, and I really did. They're cool trucks. You know, it's They're kind really of cool a trucks. weird, weird stage in life because you really, really like. I'm thinking, you know, my idea. I mean, this is you know a 12, 15 year old. I'm planning on it. Yeah, for a, a dozen, fifteen years, and then you start looking at my life, going, that might be the rest of your life. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's, very much so. Yep. Yeah, and it's like, so yeah. <laughs> Here we're talking about like little kids, teenage boys talking about hey, men and their toys and cars Trucks, and muscle just, cars. And it's never going to change. Oh, you know, I got to tell you, Sam, because we've talked a lot about masculinity and stuff, and I still think this all fits with it. I remember those years when we were being told by the government we had to go buy those little electric cars that looked like a little tin can. I don't even know what they're called. And I watched people in my community driving around, and you could kind of look at the people that drove and you go, them. oh yeah, they're driving. Yeah, oh, they, it fits. It's a little two door, little. It looked yeah. like a little. And those I'm little like, smart car. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, like, there's, and I'm not trying to pick at anybody, but I'm telling you what, <laughs> you know, give me the Mustang, give me the Charger, yeah, give me the pickup, give me the, dude. something that chugs diesel, please. Arr, you know, <laughs> God. Okay, well, what are we okay. going to talk about? I, I wanted to talk. I mean, I've been meaning to have a podcast episode on yeah. on reading and books and the importance of reading and the importance of 
uh, books and the significance of books and the significance mm. of of written words yeah. and learning and gaining knowledge through the written word. And I mean, you talk to anybody, you talk to any secular, you know, leadership guru guy, CEO. I mean, super successful people. They're readers. They're just prolific readers. Yeah. Even guys that aren't in an academic world. Yeah. I mean, obviously, guys in an academic world, that's your life. You read. Right. You right. always read. You're always reading. You're supposed to be an expert on the literature. And so that that means an expert on all the research that's being written. So, mm -hmm. but but guys that are business guys, they all even say, you need to read. You need yeah. to read books. And broadly. Broadly. Yeah. Lots, lots of different areas. Yeah. Lots of different areas. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's the amazing thing about knowledge is we've talked about this so many times we dan and i talk about it when we're not on the podcast we're always talking about this idea of the unified field of knowledge i mean uh, whatever discipline it is whether it's natural science whether it's philosophy and metaphysics whether it's scripture and, and special revelation all truth is if, if it's truly true it's it's it participates in God. It's from God. Yeah, right. So whether he reveals something true in nature that yeah. we can discover through the empirical method, yeah. uh, whether it's something true that he reveals through yeah. special revelation in scripture, yeah. uh, whether it's something true that you can you can get at through reasoning from first principles, some you, you, using logic, if it's true, it's true. And it's, and it's in God. Yeah. You know, I got a great, great little, uh, what do you call it? Great little picture of that. Yeah. Is I had a good friend, you've met him, Denny. And he's he's literally in his field. He just retired, but he's still being utilized. You right. know, they, they call on him. He literally in his particular field was yep. one of the top scholars in the world. Yeah, like you, animal nutrition. Yep, yep. Yep. And if you Googled his name, like he's did the patents, he's done the stuff. Yeah. You know, whatever his however articles you cited the most. Yep. And so even when I say in the world, I don't know how you rate that, but literally he yeah. I've talked to him and he was helped me understand that. So the reason I say that to you is because he lo I mean, the man loves the Lord and got huge portions of scripture memorized. Yeah, yeah. It puts us all to shame. It's it's amazing how his <laughs> brain works. He literally has full many, many full books yeah. of, of of the scriptures memorized. Word word by word. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um fascinates me as a guy. But I remember time we'd get together. It was just a friendship. I don't know what you call it, mentoring, discipleship, mutually, one yep. another another for years. Yep. And I get together with him in the morning and he was saying, oh, you aren't going to believe what I saw yesterday. And he was talk talking about some lysine something or other, some amino acid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that he's looking at through this microscope and studying it. And he literally would start, not sobbing, but like his eyes would well up with tears and tears would start coming down his cheeks. And he said, I saw the hand of God. Yeah. The maker the crafting maker. all these, you know. And, and he's, he's, he's able with the new tools we have even. To yeah. see things that we didn't see before, you right. know, like at this molecular or molecular molecular yeah. level, yep. And it, it was just natural for him to go, the hand of God. Yep, yep. You know, in this world of scholarship and study, yep. And it was just so fun. To God see is him the move maker of his all. whole soul. And right. It was just crazy to. I mean, it was fun for me. I'm like, right. oh wow. So that's yep. why when we when we study nature, yep. When we study the creation, uh. Like it's it is supposed to just as when we read scripture it, mm -hmm. it should uh, move us to worship. Yeah. When we look at creation and we look at a particle or a molecule under the microscope or we look at galaxies through yeah. a telescope, yeah, it should also move us to worship the yeah. Creator. Yeah. That's that's David in Psalm nineteen. Right. Yep. The heavens declare the glory of God, yeah. but you know they don't have any words. Right. And then also, then he transitions into the law of the Lord, the, the written scripture. Yeah, right. Both. It's both. both. That's why we say unified. It's, and that's, it's, both, and that, it's both. It's yeah. not one or the other. And so that's why we're saying uh, read broadly. Why read broadly? Because if, if it's true, it's true because it's from God. I mean, right, he revealed right. it. Right. So scripture isn't the only place. I know this can freak people out, but scripture is not the only place where we can come to know truth. Yeah, right. So, so reading... Very, very, very important, very, very significant in, um, I mean, everybody's lives. Like, anybody who who did something amazing in history was a reader in some sense. Uh, yeah. And I want to kind of flesh out a little bit theologically the significance of, of words and, and the written word. And obviously you have to start with 
creation and <laughs> God speaking the universe into existence. Isn't that fascinating? Speaking. Verse three. Yeah. He spoke. Spoke. Everything into existence. Yeah. And, and I'm going to deepen this a little bit. You know, you go to John 1, and this is clearly John's, uh, you know, utilizing the creation to come from Genesis yeah, yeah. 1. Yeah, Genesis 1. Yep. John 1, parallel. Right? Yep. They're yep. sitting there right together. Yep. yep. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm. Yep. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was a light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. It. So the key there is is uh, that preposition through. Mm. Uh, all things were made through the word. Implying that the Father, that's God, mm-hmm. God the Father, creates through the word. Now, if you go to Hebrews chapter 1 very beginning we see something similar again long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the (laughs) prophets but in the last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world through whom he also created the world he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power Uh, so after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So again, there we have this idea that the Father creates through the Son, who is the Word. Mm-hmm. Go to Hebrews 11, very beginning, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the, uh, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of God receive their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We can keep going. Colossians 1, uh, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Uh, I could go to another place. You could think of uh, Revelation, I think it's 19. Uh, the name of, of Christ, his name is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So what, what am I getting at here? Well, Christ is the very Word of the Father that created all things, through whom the Father created all things. So it's very it's very... I mean, it's amazing. That's why ancient theologians would say that it was fitting then if 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 the Son is the Word by which the Father created, through whom the Father created all things, mm-hmm. then the ideas or or the the essences of of all of created reality. So you think of creating a a, a painting or painting a picture. Like, okay, you have the idea of the painting that you're going to paint in your mind, and then you actualize it by actually putting brush strokes on a, on a piece of paper. But it resembles the idea that you already had in your mind. Mm-hmm. So, so Christ is that idea in a sense. Christ is that word that the Father speaks that actualizes all of creation. So, housed in the Son, the Eternal Son is um, the exemplars, the types, the forms, the patterns of all created things. That's why it is fitting then that the Son would be the one to be incarnate. And take on flesh to redeem creation, for he was the one through whom creation came into existence. Now that's all fascinating. I mean, the word, like just the logos, the idea of a, a spoken word, mm-hmm. is so significant theologically. Yeah, and you see it right in Genesis one. Now get this: this is really fascinating too. I'm going to read a quote from uh, Peter Gentry and, and Stephen Wellman in their, their big old thick book, uh, Kingdom Through Covenant, which I would highly recommend. I'm going to talk about maybe a little bit more about that here when we talk about some books. But they say this. This is fascinating. We have already drawn attention to the fact. So they're, they're talking about the Ten Commandments now okay. in Exodus 20. <clears throat> and they say, we have already drawn attention to the fact that the earliest tradition in the biblical text refers to these requirements as, quote, the Ten Words. 
and not as the Ten Commandments. As we now know them, as we now know them, there is in fact a particular reason for this and for why there are precisely ten instructions. A connection is being made between the covenants at Sinai and creation. In the creation narrative, God creates the universe by simply speaking, that is, by his word. In the Hebrew text, this verb, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it, I'm going to botch it, um, which we would translate as he said or God said, occurs 10 times in the creation account. Mm. So in a very real way, the entire creation depends or hangs on the word of God. And so then they go on to say that when when Israel is coming out of, of slavery and they're going to go into the promised land and God gives them the law and he gives them these 10 words, it is through these 10 words then that he's creating a nation, mm-hmm. drawing a parallel between creation in Genesis 1 and now a creation of a nation. Mm. So 10 words. 10 words hmm. in Exodus 20. We know we think of them now as the 10 commandments, but they're the 10 words. And then the 10 and God said in Genesis 1, speaking That's creation cool. into existence. And Christ is that word. Hmm. And Christ is that word. So the word, the spoken word is extremely significant. All things were made through it. Now, when God reveals his law and and these 10 words or 10 commandments, um, the Decalogue, as sometimes people refer to him as, uh, he writes them down with his very hand, it says. He inscribes them with his with his with the very hand of God inscribes them on those stone tablets. Mm. So he writes and he inscribes the, the the spoken word into something that's written, which obviously is deeply significant. And in we all know that something written down is is lasting. And it, it, it's not as easily changed or twisted or morphed. So if you want to preserve something, pre- preserve the significance of it or the meaning of it, or y- you, you write it down. Mm. And, and then you study what has been written down and you read what has been written down. And that is the most efficient way to remember and to know truth. So even think about that, that. The word, through the word, all things come into being, come into existence. God then writes the ten words, the ten commandments down on stone tablets with his very hand, inscribing his spoken word. And then when we go to Deuteronomy 17, I want to... Just read briefly what the future king is supposed to do when the Israelites demand a king. Moses tells the Israelites, then, when you come to the land that the Lord your God has given you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you when the Lord your God, whom the Lord your God will choose, one from among your brothers, you shall set as a king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother, only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excess silver and gold. So these are all the things he's not supposed to do. Now, this is what he is supposed to do. Verse 18, and when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself, write for himself in a book, a copy of the law, approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom for he and his children in Israel. So that is what the Davidic king is supposed to do. And, um, I mean, at this point, we don't know it's the Davidic king because this is in Deuteronomy, but eventually we know that this is, this is narrowed to David's line. And eventually this is, this is really a prophecy, a prophecy for Christ, um, who, who not, not only Christ is not only, uh, the, the, the Messiah who will, uh, take what has been written on this book and, and 
put it on his heart and internalize it mm-hmm. by reading it every day, but Christ himself is the word made flesh. Yeah. He is the law made flesh, the law incarnate, the word incarnate. Mm-hmm. So he he embodies it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Now, all that's so significant. And then you have Jesus saying in Matthew 4, 4, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he quotes Old Testament scripture that was written down. And, you know, to start his ministry, he quotes Isaiah. He reads the scroll yeah. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, the, the temple. And so reading and knowing the written word is so theologically significant. I mean, you, you just can't get around it. Obviously, this is partially a big defense for why you need to read your Bible. Now, historically speaking, this is, this is fascinating because, I mean— Creating a, a written document or a scroll on like papyrus or something was really difficult and really hard and, and laborious and and you know it was not many people had access to those types of documents to read. Mm-hmm. I mean, the king did, obviously, uh, the priest did, and and the more higher ups in in society mm-hmm. during that time in the Greek culture would have access to those, and there would be big libraries like you think of the Library of Alexandria that you know, had all sorts of scrolls, but, you know, we didn't really get, um, it wasn't until the New Testament, I think the second century, when we, I could be wrong on this, when we got what's called the Codex, where you would take different pieces of parchment and and papyrus and stuff and and actually bind it together and make a book. Right. And that was significant, because then you could carry around all sorts of documents and scrolls and written materials in one, you know, brick (laughs) in a sense but then it wasn't until you know we get to i I don't even remember the date when the printing press was uh invented do you remember the date off the top of your head no i mean it has to be uh 15th 16th century i can find it quick right i mean it could be about the uh 1440 yeah yep yep yep. so 15th century yep so i mean you have For the most part, still most of human history, I mean, it was it was scribes, it was people handwriting, yeah, and and there was errors, and you know, the printing press was a huge a huge breakthrough where you can now get the written word and written material to a lot right. more people. So all this discussion so far, Sam, yeah, is really you building a theology, uh, yep, and a case, and a case, a yep. theology, apologetic for why. Well, you could say communication in general, but specifically narrowing it down, the spoken word, narrowing it even down more. The written word is yeah. so critical. So critical. Yeah. And to one, as a Christian, if uh, the fact that you, most of Christians in, human, in, 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 in church history did not have access to a copy of the Bible mm-hmm. that they could just pick up and open up and read. Right. So one... That is so amazing and so rare and so significant. Yeah. Based upon everything that I've just said. Right. So don't neglect that. Read it and know it and meditate on it day and night. But also just in general, we can we can expand this and say that that God intended the that knowledge and truth would be transmitted through written language. Yeah. And you can even look at cultures that go from that go from just an oral language, just a spoken language, mm-hmm. to then a written language, and often that was yeah. stimulated by missionaries, Christian missionaries that would go to these places that only had a, a, a spoken language, and then they yeah. would create for them an alphabet, and then they would you know they would codify and and, and create a yeah. written language, and it was crazy, so that they could then read the Bible yeah. in their vernacular, yeah. And and as soon as that happened, as soon as a culture and a people got the written word. Their upward mobility. Yeah, everything. Everything went up. They flourished. They flourished. Yeah, human beings did. Yep. Yep. So there is this. This is this just deep connection between human flourishing and and acquiring knowledge and truth through writing. Yeah. So, yeah, like you just said, all of that is just to say, hey. <laughs> You should be reading books. Yeah. Well, and it's in in one one other little, you know, part of the theology, as you would say, and it goes back to other things we've talked about. You'd say it's a presupposition, and the presupposition is, isn't it interesting? We live in a world where we we don't always think about this, but like we don't live in a world of silence. 
Yeah. There's a voice out there. There's a communication. Yep. And all of life is immersed in this communication. Yep. Right? And so God actually speaks. And if he didn't speak, I mean, we, we don't live in a world of silence is right. the point. Right, right. I mean, you have to sit and ponder what I'm talking about. But we have a presupposition that says, no, there's actually a real communication. Yeah. And these communications actually mean things. Yeah. And they can't mean the opposite of what I mean. Right. Like law of non-contradiction, all these sorts of ideas. Yep. But it really is. But it all stems back to God spoke everything into existence. Yep. God is the great communicator is the point. Yep. He exactly. actually, I mean, he's not just this, you know. Yeah. You he know, is the word. He is the word. He is, he is the word. He communicates. Yep. And so our whole world is charged with communication. And you got to go, okay, so if if somehow you could even figure out how life could come from non-life, and if somehow you could even figure out a bunch of chemicals mixing together, how do you ever come up with a communication? Language, yeah. You how? see what I'm saying? Like, like no. No. It's a personal infinite being. Yeah. That has to initiate communication. Yep. Yep. And again, that's what we mean by presupposition. Like, And we take it for granted all the time. The unbelieving world just takes for granted. We, you know, knowledge, read books, learn things, communicate. I don't mean this. I do mean this. My words mean this. They don't mean this. Well, where does that whole thing come from? It's We're not just animals going blah, 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 you know, yep. moo, moo, moo. I mean, there actually is communication. Yep. It, it, it is a fascinating conversation. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yep. So, I mean, I want to encourage who's ever listening to, I mean, some of you who are listening are probably, you know, love to read and read a lot and great. If you don't read a lot, I mean, you know, we all have certain constraints in our lives and we only have so much time to do certain mm-hmm. things in our day. And, and we know we try to, you know, spend time with the family and do your job and, and mm-hmm. get a workout in and make supper and clean the house and spend time with Whatever. friends. Yeah. All sorts of things take up your time. Uh, but I would I would push you to try to figure out a way to make time for reading. Yep. Start and reading. Start yep. reading. Simple. Pick a book. Simple. Pick a book and say I'm going to read one book this year. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I know. And I know that uh, because of social media, and you can you can look on your phone right now. Like, what's your screen time? You can go and look at how much time are you spending on Instagram or Facebook or 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 Twitter or whatever it is, and, yeah. and you're going to realize, oh dang. I am wasting so much time yeah. that you could be using reading. Yeah. And 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 again, yes, number one, read your Bible, but you, like read other books. Read other books about the Bible. Yeah. Read books by guys who read their Bibles a thousand years ago. How did they read their Bible a thousand? Like what were they, com- what kind of conclusions were they gr- getting yeah. from the Bible? Yeah. And how were they applying it to their lives a thousand years ago? Yeah. And man, is it is it just so amazing and so rich and so like formative for your life when you when you come alongside these these guys that lived hundreds and thousands of years ago who had a deep love for the scriptures and and, and the savior that you know now today. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So what are some what are some books then that have been formative in my life? Uh, maybe some books that I'm reading right now that I'm enjoying, and I'm I'm I read every day. I have to read every day. I read about probably six to eight hundred word or pages a week. So depending on the size of the book, that might be one book. That might be three books a yeah. week. But it's sort of your job. Right it's now. sort of my job right now. Yep. So, so you're on one hand, it's a privilege, it's yep. a luxury that a lot of people don't have. Yep. But still. Yep. Exactly, and that's and that's part of even ministry is is mm-hmm. uh, we want a guy to set aside time to study deeply uh, theology and the scriptures, so that he can that th- from the overflow of that then he yeah. can instruct us and help us. Yeah, that's that's kind of how the pastor ministry mm-hmm. works in yeah. a sense. So, man, when I think about books that. You know, books are such an interesting thing, and that, and that's why I like having hard copies of books mm. because you have a relationship with them. It's mm. really weird. Mm-hmm. You have a relationship with this author that you've probably never met before, right? And in a sense, he's discipling you, or she's discipling you in, in some sense. Yeah. And they might have lived two thousand yeah. years ago. Yeah. I mean, I have Plato and Aristotle on my shelf that I read once in a while. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief! Ancient Greek philosophers. Yeah. I got Augustine over here on my desk. 
Yeah. And you're reading Calvin right now. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'm spelling. It, I, yeah. I, I woke up. Yeah. I've told you. I've been waking up two, three in the morning some days. Like I'm thinking, open up Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been so enjoying it. Yeah. And so you have this relationship. He's thought with this... about this stuff, and it doesn't mean you. You know, it's the same thing. It's like you're learning. You're yep. growing. But it's like, man, he's thought about. There's so many questions you and I talk about, Sam. You know. Yep. That people are talking about, say, culturally or church or this thing or that thing politically. It's like these guys. Here's Calvin, you know, 16th century. Already thought about it. Already thought about it. Yeah. In, 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 de- in more depth than I could ever detail. imagine. Yeah, yeah. And to read about it, go, oh, he's already thought about all this. Yeah. What was some of his conclusion? That's the interesting. Yeah. What was? Man. What were his? How did he apply it in his his, his life and context and ministry? It's I incredible. Mean, it's amazing. It's and what amazing. what you can learn yeah, I mean, from I that. I wish I would. You know, and I wish I would have thought about this more when I was a younger guy. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Like like I didn't read much when I was young. Right. I got through high school and college, honestly, without reading much. I was a pretty smart dude, and I don't mean that like in a prideful, cocky way. I got away with it, but yep. nobody forced me to read right. much. And 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 I I yeah. Yep. I kind of wish. I wish I was. You know what you're doing right now. I started doing it midlife and beyond. I tell people. Some people ask me. I'm like, oh no, my son will. I got a son that's you know he's late thirties, and you know he's just oh man, he devours books, devours them, devour like four or five hundred books, books literally four or five hundred books in the last like. Five or six years. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dad, you know about this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, actually, <laughs> son. <laughs> I didn't read about that. Right. Believe it or not, yeah. I got through school yeah. and all sorts of systems. So it's 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 a deficit in my life. I would actually tell you that. Yeah. Now, I built on that in my life later in my life. Yep. But I wish when I was a teen. So some of those guys listen to us now, say a teen or a 20 year old. Oh, man. Start reading. Start. Just oh. like I said, pick up a book and start reading. Just start. Yep. Develop this habit you're gonna love what ends up happening yes yes and and also to uh don't waste your time reading bad books <laughs> that's why yeah. finding somebody that has that can uh inform you yeah. on what are the good books that you yeah. should be reading well they and, used to have these curriculums right the great books curriculum well right? and that's why classical education, education right? is so i mean one it's on the rise right now big time but f- it was it was the stable for most of history. Like we're going to because what you can do and Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot is you can you can trace you can I don't I, I'm sure they're doing it even like with AI and stuff too is I'm sure they're utilizing AI to to, to do this but there's a connection from source to source to source to source chronologically backwards in time. Mm-hmm. So I could write something today in a paper, and and you're gonna see that I am I am. I'm building on ideas that were that were found in yeah. books that were written thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. and and ultimately in the Western tradition, you know, you have West and East. The Western tradition, everything boils down, it spirals down to Scripture. Scripture is the great story and the great yeah. work of uh, you know of writing. That's interesting. Right? Peterson these guys are picking up on it. He's this. picking up on it. Yeah. They they see it. It's They've just been saying but it, but it's just even empirical fact. I think on Rogan or something he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's this. empirical fact. Yeah. You just can't deny it. Right. So you look at all the best works of western In literature. Some ways you could say it's the book of books. <laughs> exactly. And it is. <laughs> it is fascinating. And so there's no story good good true and beautiful story that exists that isn't drawing on some type of uh, motif or theme or or narrative flow or plot that you can't find in scripture. Yeah, it's sure. all there already. Yeah, all the best stories and plots are already in scripture. Yeah, great. It's there, so they're all drawing upon it. They're all the, uh, the, any good eth- Western ethic it draws upon scripture ultimately. So you read Shakespeare, you read Augustine, you read you read all those ancient philosophers that might not even have been Christians, and and you're gonna find that. All their thoughts eventually boil back down to scripture, and and we can't just dispense. That's what postmodernism does. It dispenses with history. Critical theory dispenses with history, and is is critical of it, and and is the skeptic of it. Yeah, and and thinks that the interpreter is over in some sense and, and can reinterpret yeah. it. So that's bad. I mean, that's way bad. It might be a tangent. I don't know if I should say. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Um, this is what you're seeing happening in our culture with the star- tearing down of, of monuments. Oh, monuments, exactly. It's, it's actually it's a it's denial of history. Yep. Yeah. Same thing. It's like we need to reject all that. Yep. And that's no, where. No, it, no, 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 no. Obviously, it's full of good and bad, but yeah, it's have, like it's real. The burning of books in certain yeah. you know like, times and no, societies. That's not what you do. Yeah. It's not yeah. what you do. So 
classical education hits on that, and we're going to read those classical texts that have served as the foundation of thought and truth and progress in Western mm-hmm. civilization. Yeah. And we know what those texts are because, again, it's it's even just it's it's empirical. You read, you read a certain book and you go, oh, he's drawing on so and so and so and so and so and so, and then you read so and so and so and so and so and so, and they're drawing upon this person and this person, and and you can trace this this kind of web throughout time, it's, and it's really fascinating. So read those books, read those books that that have have shaped culture have shaped history have shaped civilizations uh read augustine read calvin read aquinas read boethius read bonaventure read the church fathers read maximus the confessor from the eastern tradition actually read ignatius read cyril i mean read all of them read as much as you possibly can read read guys that are wrong read Charles Darwin's Origin of Species. Read it <laughs> and see why he's he's wrong, and critique it, and be critical about it, and 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 engage with it, and read those those yeah. wild modern philosophers. Well, can, can read I, Nietzsche. Yeah, could I swing back with you? Sam? Yeah, I was going to tell you. Um, you said something earlier, and it prompted the thought. But you, I let you keep going. But um, th- this on a practical level, this goes back to like um, J. Robert Clinton came up with a lot of stuff on leadership, and he had a whole kind of uh, paradigm for what he would have called mentoring yeah okay and it's it's basically a person empowering another person with something yeah in the best sense you're yeah. transferring something yep. and then what he he was able to articulate was they they were these different types of relationships yep so you and i are pers- you know it's a very close relational connection with you and i right yep but you can be mentored and and and, and be, this information knowledge is imparted to you and part of it is what you were saying earlier about this idea of books and engaging the ancients, you yeah. know. And so uh, when I tell guys, uh, I, I do different, a lot of different settings with young men, and I'll say, uh, uh, interact with the author. Yeah. And other, that probably comes from somewhere else, and I picked it up. But it's the idea of, like, pull out a pen sometimes, and when you're reading this, interact. Yeah. Like, Annotate. Right annotate. In the he said something here. And literally, I have, books, a question. I have books where I've drawn pictures. Exactly. Like, like, this is the diagram I would draw that exemplifies for me because it's visual for me of what yes. this guy's talking about. Right? Yes. And see, and the whole point is I'm interacting with the author. Yes. I'm engaging so him. So I said, you have a relationship with I might even put him. a question mark. I might yep. even go, I'm not sure about this. Yep. And, and the whole point then is that you're actually sitting down with, you know, Plato, Augustine. That's what I'm saying. You have a relationship with these dead guys. And you literally learn from this person. You learn from them. It's fascinating. What uh, What a gift. Oh, man. It's crazy. It's right? crazy. Crazy. Yep. So... <laughs> and we have we have we are in the heyday no no time in all of human history we we are in the heyday of 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 publishing of books actually mm-hmm. yeah it's really interesting yeah well you know some of our our best christian publishers are doing amazing right now crossway's never been doing has never done better mm. they are publishing more books they are they're they're mm. well funded people are buying books we're in a heyday of it right now Old, old ancient works have never been, you know, maybe they're written in a different language. They're being translated into English and they're being published. Mm. We're getting, there's, there's a lot of work still being done that are are bringing these amazing texts of history into the language that you can read. And, and man, what a gift. And obviously you have access to, you know, millions and millions of, of, of works online. You know, that was the great idea of, of... (laughs) Jeff Bezos of the Amazon, his, his, uh, God, what was his, I'm trying, I'm trying to articulate his idea. He was thinking about what to sell online. He wanted to take advantage of the internet. And, uh, there are, there are certain things that there's only a few of them and you could, you can realistically then sell all of some type of thing in a, in a store, in a physical store, in a storefront. And there's other things like a bookstore, he said, that you have to be so selective of what you actually display or stock in your inventory in a bookstore because there's millions and millions of, of, of books in publication today. And you can't have every single one of those books in an actual store. Mm-hmm. So he thought that I'm going to start an online store and I'm going to focus on books because technically we could have this giant warehouse 
that's impractical for an actual store, somebody to come in and shop and buy something physically. Mm. But we could open up, you know, the, the, the consumer and, and the person who's the buyer to millions. Yeah, have access to Have it. access to everything in print. Yep. And that was his idea, and it worked, obviously. Now he's one of the richest people on earth. <laughs> I mean, it's Amazon. So, so the fact that I can go on Amazon right now, and I do just about every day, <laughs> and peruse books, and I throw out some books in my wish list that I'm about to buy, and not not quite yet, and then <laughs> buy other books. I just bought, I just bought Peter Van Maestrich his four volume uh, systematic theology yesterday. It was half off. I'm like, oh, score. <laughs> Most of us wouldn't even know that know that name, you know. But the point is, there's a theology behind this, yeah. And, and you're really saying, if I hear you right, Sam, you're just trying to on a podcast. Go, go read a book. Go read a book. That's all I'm trying to say. I could I could have said it in 30 seconds, but I'm yeah. extending it out. <laughs> but it's a it's a rich thought. It's a, yeah. It's it's, it's a really rich. rich. And if, if that motivates people, I think it's really valuable. Yeah. And and don't and don't. This is this is something that I uh, I fail to do. I uh, I read a lot of fiction when I was young, and I loved it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And then high school, I started to just kind of stop reading because it wasn't really much of a requirement for school. It was a requirement in elementary and middle school for me to to read yeah. Yeah. and get a certain number of books read. Um, and then high school, you know, I had some required books for English class and things like that, and I read them I and enjoyed it, but didn't like make a uh, a habit of continuing just to read yeah. for fun. And then college, didn't read at all. Yeah. Read my, you know, textbooks for class and yeah. boring. I mean, it was just science stuff, which whatever. Uh, and and then when I felt God's calling to ministry and I started, what a weird idea to me. I had no idea until I was in college. Really, this is just fascinating to me. I had really no idea until I was maybe 19 or 20 years old that there was a body of literature written about theology and how to understand the Bible. What a, we- what a weird idea. That you, just, you just never even thought about it. I never never even knew it existed. Okay. What a weird, like, to think of, like, right now, 10 years later, yep. I'm, it's all I do is read books in theology, yeah. and I'm yeah. getting a PhD in systematic theology, and not even 10 years ago, I didn't even know that world existed. Yeah, isn't that funny? Of, of Christian literature. Yeah. And not just some, like, my mom read some Christian books, but they were more just like like a pop book, a pop, yeah, pop, pop evangelical which, which, book. Can I say something? About that 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 as you've been talking, it's interesting to me because I've been in settings where like the latest pop book comes out, yeah, and everybody will be talking about it, you know, whatever it is, you know, the shack or whatever the yeah. latest oh, thing man. is, right? And everybody's reading and they're talking. And what's always fascinating to me in a lot of these yeah. is like. Do you know that the ideas they're they're propounding here are trying to is that the word? Yeah. Propound, yeah. 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 The, promote, the, promote. Promulgate. Was already declared a bad idea. A long time ago. A long time ago. And this, if you were just and, aware and, of what had already been written. And you sort of think this is a new idea and there's nothing new here. Right. It's really not. Right. It, it, I mean, this was already dismissed a long time ago. Yep. And I find all the time happening. Have you read the latest book? And so I'd find myself having to almost like, first of all, I didn't want to give him any money, but I would buy the latest book yeah. simply so I could say, yeah, I read it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yep. you wanted to be able to engage conversation. But but it was fascinating. These these were not that good of an idea even. Right. They really weren't. They weren't. It's, it's already been dismissed. It's already been dismissed. It was already discussed a long time ago yep. in lots of ways. But to your point, though, Sam, I think a lot of people don't realize that. They don't realize it. They don't realize, no, there's this whole huge body. Body of knowledge. Of knowledge. A few thousand years yep. of incredible theology, incredible things. Philosophy and literature. Listen to that. I listened stories. to that podcast the other day with Carl Truman. Or actually, it was a podcast, but they was, it was where he spoke for the credo. Yep, yep, deal. yep. And he, he was just talking about this, like, we don't realize some of the times in our Western world, like, working out the nature of the Trinity, the nature of Christ. You know, it was a hundred-year process. Yeah. With lots of minds, yeah, working on every little detail, thinking it through. Yep. And if you were to actually go back and spend some time reading all that stuff, the richness you'd have in your mind about the nature of God and who He is and all this, yeah, it's already been articulated already. So when somebody comes up with this latest, greatest new thing, yep, it's like, well, it's not really a latest, greatest new thing. No, they it's already really addressed not, that. 
Yeah. Yep. Got it. It's just fat, right? Yep. So I, I kind of, I'm kind of piggybacking. Yeah. You're talking about you didn't even know all this knowledge existed. Yeah. And so then I started to, yeah. I'm like, oh man, there's books, there's Christian books that are, you know, you know, deep and, and insightful. And I'm like, wow. So I started to, yeah. once I realized that, yeah, uh, and that kind of went along with my calling into ministry. I mean, that's the interesting thing about books. I was, a, I was going to say this maybe 20 minutes ago and then I got sidetracked, but you know, you have this relationship with it and. And God uses books. He does. Like, just like he'll use a, a brother in the Lord mm-hmm. in a certain time to instruct you and rebuke you and, and move you a certain direction. Um, yeah. For the most part, like, if, I'm, if I've am if i ever had a shift in the way I think about reality, the way I think yeah. about theology, yeah. it was actually probably a book that moved yeah, me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, man. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm reading the text of Scripture, if, yeah. if we're talking doctrine, but I'm also reading some interpreter some theologian who's helping me understand what this text is really saying yeah and that's true with everybody yeah it's true with everybody yeah so yeah that happens to me people will hear me and say like i never met francis shaver right but man that guy discipled you oh yeah I love and, that guy. and he's all over you oh anybody gets <laughs> around me and go oh i'm like yeah and it's not like you're trying to be this what do you want to call it like some rock star groupie yeah thing. yeah it's not like that it's like no 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 like like I immersed myself in some of his writing because I was very intrigued and he was saying things that I was seeing happening around me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he gave, he, he, he already thought this through. Right. I've been thinking this now he's thinking, and it's happening now with you, Sam, you're working on this PhD. We've talked about yeah. this. Like you're, you're hanging out with some scholars, Yeah. you know, you know, Schreiner and, and Barrett, uh, Barrett, Craig and, Carter Craig, and these guys. And I've been thinking something again, they're at levels that I don't even fathom, but like, Oh, they're they're addressing these things that I've wondered about, I've yeah. thought about, I've yeah. read here, I've sought there, yeah. and it's like wow. And so, it fascinates me. Like wow, I get to go jump in there with these guys and read their stuff and go, oh yeah, 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 they're, they're yeah, they're on it. They're, yeah, they're, they're they're right. Yeah. So when I when I was called into ministry, God used a book to really as a catalyst to call me into ministry, uh, and it was Radical by David Platt. And I know David Platt is kind of a, a controversial figure right now um, ever since the you know the woke movement but his book radical it, God used it yeah. he used it in my life right. to get me to think about the reality of the gospel and yeah the the utter importance of of bringing the gospel to non-believers so yeah. that they can repent and believe otherwise they're gonna go to hell and I finished that book in my parents house a Christmas break when I was 19 years old and home alone Finished the last page, just put it down on the floor, and moments later felt a call into ministry. It hasn't changed. So mm-hmm. he used a book. And I haven't read that book since. I mean, yeah. that was yeah. that was a long time. That was that was, you know, almost ten years ago now. Yeah. That that he used that book. And I haven't read that book since. I wonder what I would think if I went back and reread it and you know, it probably wouldn't hit me the same way. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And that that happens. You know, a book hits you in a certain way and God uses it because yeah. uh you know, if it's true, it's true. Yeah. And man, books are just amazing. Um, another thing about reading too is people often will say, people that don't read, they'll they'll complain that it's hard, and it is. It really is hard. Yeah. And it's it's hard, just like lifting weights is hard. Yeah. You you if you haven't done it a lot, you're gonna go and do it, and you're gonna. It's going to be a little bit sloppy and a little bit, you know. Yeah, don't do it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because you're going to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just exa- like y- y- your body's not yet coordinated right. for it. You're, you're not – your ligaments and joints aren't, aren't, aren't strengthened for it yet. And it's kind of just like you got to get through those those first mm-hmm. weeks and months of learning how to lift again and getting your, your muscles in shape. And you're going to be super sore and you're going to be in lots of pain and you're not going to want to do it. And you're going to have to muscle through it and, and eventually your body develops and it grows and it gets stronger and you might start to enjoy it a little bit more and mm-hmm. you're seeing some progress and you're, you know, you're liking the way you're looking now and you, your, your physique looks better. And, and so that's like reading, like yeah. for the most part, I mean, you need, when you read, you need, you, you need to be able to stay focused on what you're reading and we've all done it where we're reading and your mind is somewhere else. And all of a sudden you're five pages later and you're like, I don't know anything that I just read. Right. And that's just weird that you can do that. You can actually be reading words but not comprehending them. Right. And totally thinking of something else. So you, you need to train your mind to actually focus. Right. And 
there's certain ways you do that. There's certain times during the day mm -hmm. that helps you do that. Uh, they even some researchers have come up with a uh, they they've figured out that your brain state um, when you're super concentrated is is that same brain state is 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 experienced right when you wake up. So they 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 then say that if you a, a good time to be able to read with focus is right when you wake up in the morning. And that's usually what I do. And that's a convenience thing, but also it's it's when my mind is, feels the sharpest and you start to realize that. So mm. there's there's times a day that are more conducive to reading and being focused. There's It's also like this muscle that you have to train. Guys that don't read a lot, they, they can maybe read 10 minutes straight and then they got to they gotta stop. Sure. And But the higher end of, of, of straight reading is usually about three hours. It's really rare that somebody can go more than three hours in just straight reading. Yeah. And and obviously it has to be something engaging and interesting as well. I mean, yeah. if it's something boring. Well, you know, could I, you're kind of talking about practical. Practical, yeah. Practical yeah. right now. Another practi practi uh, practical thing that was helpful to me was somebody suggested to me 30 years ago now, and it, it, I would encourage people to consider it. It, it was a book by the name of, uh, a philosopher by the name of Mortimer Adler. Have you ever heard oh, of this? Oh, yeah, How to Read a Book. How to Read a Book. Yep. 1940, I think it was published, or those years. And it was incredibly Key helpful book. to me. You got to read it. To realize, like, you don't always read every book the same way. Exactly. There is some ways to actually peruse a book. Yep. You know, skim a book. You skim a book. You look at table of contents. You look at, you know, certain yep. things. First page, last page, chapter, blah, blah, blah. Yep. It really is helpful because there's some books you can do that with. You, you can go, do that. Oh, I got the guy's argument. Yep. I, I was able to yep. whip through that pretty quick, and I got his argument, and I didn't have to spend more than an hour or two, and I, I, I got a gist of it. Yep. No, I have not read it in detail. I did not read every single line, but I know what he's saying. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And it's like, it's really helpful. And so even as a tip, I'd tell people, if you've never done that, you know, if you're listening to this right now, you're that, you know, teen, 20s, 30s, you could be older. Go get how to read a book. Yeah, and literally read the book, how to read a book. Yep, and you're gonna go, oh, like not every book is every line intense. Right, you don't need to do that. Yep, and you will be able to devour books. Yep, and now there's a reality too of so you you have you have to train your mind to be able to do it. Second, there's a there's a huge spectrum of reading level. I mean, you can we know this going to like an elementary library they probably have it coordinated in some sense like a, oh first graders can read first graders can read this book and fourth graders can read this book and this is high school level blah 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 but you realize that 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 kind of goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and what i know is from going from my masters to my my phd studies there was a there was a just a very obvious difference in the level of of reading and knowledge that I needed to have to go from the books that I was supposed to read from the masters into the PhD. The PhD opened me up to a whole other world of books that one, I didn't know existed and two were at a level that was so deep and so dense and so profound that I, I mean, there's some books still that I have on my shelf that I have, I've had to read that I've read three times already and still chewing on it, trying to get the vocabulary, trying to get the ideas. Mm -hmm. But I know that this is there's so much in this, and I'll probably yeah. mine this book for the rest of my life. Yeah. Oh, okay. So let me add to that. I remember hearing uh, Dr. J. P. Moreland had a class yep. with him one time. Many may not know his name, but he's a good guy to look up. He's interesting. Yeah, I'm. Intrig a, he's a well-known philosopher yeah. and Christian theologian. Intriguing thought. But he was talking about challenging uh, people. These were young people in ministry, and I was in this class, and he was challenging them to read and study and yep. to think. And he was talking about a good book, and and. So don't I can't quote him. I mean, it was a lot of years ago when I had the class, but he said something like, and I think I'm probably in the ballpark, a good ballpark, like a really good book you only understand ten percent or something yeah. like that, is what he said. It yeah. kind of shocks people because you think, well, I don't understand this. Well, that's the point. You're reading something; it's like lifting weights. Yep. And it stretches you. Yep. And so I've done that a lot with people. Okay, you read this book, and I realize you're gonna have to wade through this book. Yep. Okay. Good. Get through this thing. Wade through it. And you might only understand bits and pieces. But guess what? Those bits and pieces you didn't understand before. Yep. It's like lifting weights. Yep. And the more you do it, boom, 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 boom. Exactly. And all of a sudden one day, you know, I liken it to when I was a kid and you learned a new skill, like learning to tell time. I know it sounds stupid, but I, I remember the day. Yep. I can almost Just remember clicked. the day. when all of a sudden I'm like, oh. That's how that works. That's how the clock See, works. I remember the time when they would say quarter after. Yeah. And I thought they meant 25 after. Yeah. 
quarter, 25 cents. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember when all of a sudden, like, oh, quarter, like quarter of the clock. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when I was, <laughs> eight or 10 years old or something. But I remember, you, and you, maybe you guys have had those experiences when all of a sudden the light goes on. Yeah. Bing, got it. Yep. And you got it the rest of your life. Yep. It's the same thing with books. Yep, it You're is. You're reading what this person's trying to articulate to you, and you have to work at it, and you have to think and about it. And it's gray, and it's and foggy, it, yeah, and yeah. it's like, and all of know. a sudden, it clicks. clicks. And when it clicks, you got it the rest of your life. It's amazing. Yep. It's a cool experience. Yep. And you, and you should if you're if you're going to start this journey of reading and acquiring knowledge, you need to you need to push yourself. You need to you need to push yourself into reading books that you don't understand. That's what I'm. That's yep. what I was getting over yep. there. Moreland was challenging yep. people like no, you, and you got to do that because we were in a class and people were complaining how hard it was. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, it's supposed to push you. I yeah. mean, come on now. Is there anything yeah. in life that like we're that produces something really amazing that wasn't hard. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So it's supposed to be hard. You got to push yourself. Don't just read the same types of things that's just easy and comfortable. Uh, you got to push. And two, you got you got to. Uh, this goes back to reading broadly, but read fiction too. And and mm, yeah. th this is a this is something that the more academic oriented guys can fail to do sometimes. Uh, but then there's this interesting. I don't know. This is anecdotal for me, but I think I kind of have a feeling that it's somewhat true, and this is true for me. I, I went from you know fiction as a kid into only only theology, nonfiction, and doctrine stuff, mm -hmm. biblical studies in my young twenties, and then when I was in the midst of my MDiv, you know, it's still just that nonfiction, nonfiction, nonfiction. But I started to feel this like this longing for for fiction again and for a story, mm -hmm. a narrative, uh, and a plot. And I so I started reading fiction again, and it was so reviving for the soul. So I would read all that I had to read for school, but I'm I was reading on top of that fiction to refresh myself. So, like, what would be a, a fiction you would say, Sam? Lord of the Rings. Yep. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, talk to anybody, and, and it is placed up there as one of the best works of Western literature. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so... Uh, C.S. Lewis's, I mean, it can yeah. be kids' books, Narnia, the Space Trilogy. Hideous Strength, the city's... Yep, it, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. The city's strength, yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, read the read the, the, the classics, like the Count of Monte Cristo. Read, yep. read Jane Austen's... Moby Dick. Moby Dick, read Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility and yep. and, and all those books. Read, I, I can never say his name, Dostoevsky or yeah, something like yeah, that. That's it, Crime and that. Punishment. Yeah. And 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 those those books. Like read the the best of you know fiction and and Western literature. And again, there's so much to that too that is so formative and so helpful and so refreshing and so good for the soul. One because Again, at the end of the day, creation and the universe and what we are experiencing right now is a story. We're in a story. We're in a narrative. And it's God, and he's the author. He's Tolkien in Lord of the Rings. He's writing this amazing story, and we're, we're one of the, the characters in the story experiencing it. So we're really actually in a narrative that's, that's, that's been written. That's what, that's what Psalm 139 says, like, all your days have already been written. Hmm. They've already been written out. Yeah, the story's written, and you're you're an actor and a character in it. Yeah. So that's why it's so important then, and why we have such this draw. It doesn't matter if you're. I mean, non Christians just love narrative. They love story. I mean, basically, most of your Hollywood directors and screenwriters and who are writing and and creating the best movies are are non Christians for the most part, and but they just. They love story. They love plot. They love narrative. Mm -hmm. Because it's in us. Because we're in one. We're in a story that God wrote. So read read narrative. Read story. And uh, read fiction. Read nonfiction. Read theology. Read science. Read, read history. Read whatever. Read broadly. Read anything you can get your hands on. But yeah. obviously the, 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 the gist is because you're limited in time, try to find and discover those books that are the most significant and prioritize them because you, I've heard it said too that you know reading one good book is is far better than reading 100 bad books. Yeah. You can get so much more from one good book than 100 bad books. So don't waste your time with the bad books. There's a lot of bad books out there. Yeah. 
and I, I was maybe going to give some recommendations in this, but. Well, maybe in your show notes or something. I'll show notes. I'll put some recommendations. You can put one of these lists of, you know, say, yeah. here's the top 25 books. Yep, classic top books. Or, or ten, 10 or Here's whatever. some of the books that I would recommend for certain theological things. So Yeah, yeah you could do that. Yep. But we've got an hour, so we might as well wrap it up. Hopefully, I mean, that stirred you a little bit. It, It's not a... Sometimes you can feel a sense of guilt giving time to reading. I don't I mean, I don't know how that works out in your life, but it's important. Something actually to prioritize. It's something that's really significant that you should make time for. And man, it's just so cool. It's so fun. So hopefully you get into it. Hopefully you're already a reader, but maybe this stirred you to be a more um incessant reader. And uh yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of the Preach and Persuade podcast. Again, you can check out our ministry at afci.us. You can give a donation. Uh, if you haven't yet already, I would love if you could leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, that would be fantastic. If you could leave a rating, that'll help get this show out to more people. And if you enjoy any of these episodes that you listen to, I really encourage you to share it with a friend. Again, we don't spend like any money or do anything with marketing. So basically, basically, we just rely upon word of mouth and people to share yeah, with people. So, so I'm I'm gonna go drive my truck. Yep, your Toyota Tacoma. Can I put an audio book on? Does that count? It does count. It's not quite the same. Not quite the same, but, but. it's it's <laughs> better than nothing. <laughs> there you that's go. for sure. There you go. And sometimes fiction is is uh, has a, a unique flavor that's yeah. really enjoyable when you listen to it. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. I've done that in a number of, uh, of fiction books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like doing those on Audible. Yep, it's been yep. fun. It's, been fun. it's like listening to a radio program. Exactly. Or it's yep. been kind of fun. Yep. Exactly. So, thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Bye.